So again, thank you for being with us. If we, if, uh, we haven't met, my name's Corey, and I'm the lead pastor here at GFC, and it is just an exciting time of year. It's awesome to be a part of what's going on. And, and just one more reminder, we are very excited about Christmas with the at the warehouse. If you haven't heard about it or been connected with it, we would love for you to join us again. Like Pastor Andrew said, we have the cards there on the chairs for you. So if you have any friends, neighbors, people that you would uh, want to invite, we would love to have you uh, on Friday. I have I have it on good authority that we're about 75% of having a live lamb present with us on Christmas Eve. So well, 75% sure. So you just have to come to figure out whether the other 25% comes true or not. But we're, we're just very, very excited about that. And if you haven't been with us, our sermon series we've been going through uh, over the course of December is called Weary World Rejoice. And when we're as we're talking about this and, and thinking about this weariness, one of the things that I think is true of many of us is that we may feel a little bit weary. When we look at what's going on the last couple of years and having to figure out what's good and what's bad and what's going to be normal and what's not going to be normal and how does this play out and how what's going to happen over here and you just get weary from it. And you just get weary from thinking about wanting things maybe even to just be the way that they were or, or even just have a clear road forward, even if we could figure that out. Well, what we understand from looking at the Christmas story and understanding where things were in history at the time is that the nation of Israel coming into the birth of Christ would have been wearied. They had spent 400 years with no new information coming from God. And if you look back at the end of the Old Testament, you would have seen there were prophets and there were people having conversations. God was having, sending messengers and, and scriptures were being recorded. And there was a lot of interaction between God and the nation of Israel. And then for 400 years, God says nothing. God promises a Messiah and then for 400 years just goes silent. And in the midst of that, the nation of Israel had gone through some over, like people were taking over them and then they would have a new country take over them. And then eventually Rome took over and that's where we find the Christmas story. And so their situation for that 400 years, while they're going through turmoil and God not speaking to them, they would have been weary. And so while the situations are not the same, we, we walk into a time in history when we go to the Christmas story where we find a weary group of people waiting for a Messiah. And so that's where we step into this story. And we've been talking through uh, this month different topics. We've talked about joy. Um, we talked about last week, we talked about peace. And today I want to talk about rest. And what does rest actually mean? And what does it mean for us to enter Jesus's rest? And what does it mean simply for us to rest at all? I want to start with this question. If we're talking about rest today, I just want to ask this. Why are so many of us exhausted? I think we all get there, right? Maybe you've felt that. Maybe the holidays to you are exhausting. Just the things you have to plan and the other things going on and the things you have to buy and what you have to figure out and all that kind of stuff. But maybe it's just life in general right now, whether it's holidays or not, it's just exhausting. Or you would say that this year has just been exhausting. So why do many of us find ourselves in a space where we are exhausted? I think there's two reasons specifically that really are, are reasons that we find ourselves exhausted. First of all, is something that is true of us. Maybe we wear our busyness as a badge of honor. And so when, when's the last time you just think about it, like somebody comes up to you and you start to have a conversation with them. And you know, how's your how's your day going? How's that? How's that happening? Or what's going on in your life? And they answer and they just say, I got the best 10 hours of sleep last night. No one ever says that. Right. 
that's like the other person would look back at you and go, well, good for you, right? My kids stayed, kept me up all night and I had to do this for work and I had this. And we, we don't walk into conversations and just go, oh yeah, like I'm super rested. Everything is going great. Like maybe you say, oh yeah, things are going well. Things are good, whatever. You don't want to be too, but, but at some point you start getting into the conversation and maybe you inadvertently even start to have this competition where it's like, well, I have this to do, and, and well, I have this going on. Well, my kid's in this and this and this and this, and my family's going to go here and here and here for Christmas. Then, oh, well, we're traveling this far to Christmas this year. And you start to get into the, like this competition of who's more busy, who's got more going on, who's got more on the calendar. And we do that sometimes because we want the busyness of life or like what, how full our calendar is to define how much worth we have and how important we are. And so sometimes we take that busyness and we say, I, I want my kid in X, Y, Z, and I want to have this project going on, I want this to happen, and we wear that busyness as a badge of honor. The other thing that I think actually happens, this isn't on us, is that rest is often served with a side of guilt. And so you say you're gonna go on vacation, you tell your coworker, oh, I'm not gonna be around next week because I'm going on vacation, how do they respond? Must be nice right? I'm going to be here. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to have this going on. And so we sometimes feel like when we do rest, there's a guilty feeling. We sit down, we put our feet up, and we start to think about all the things we could be doing. We go on vacation, and we, before we know it, we're thinking about what we have to do when we get home. We've only been there a day, and we're already thinking about getting home or something like that. And so there's this this societal guilt that can come when we do actually rest. And heaven forbid we do actually take all of the vacation days we're allotted. We start to think through that. And so we, we get to this point of exhaustion because we like to be busy, but we also have sometimes this side of guilt that comes with resting. And so let me, let me just say one thing. I think we all get this, but I want to say it just for, to have us understand. Exhaustion is not a fruit of the Spirit. So if those of you who have been in church for a long time, right, maybe as little kids, you understood what the fruit of the spirits are, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Good. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do all those from memory, but I did. Exhaustion is not in there. And many times what we do is we think that in order to be doing what we're supposed to be or following what God has for us, that exhaustion or overexertedness or overworked is part of the fruit of the spirit. And it's just not the case. In fact, it's not what God calls us to at all. And one of the things that we know to be true, but we don't practice it all the time, is that we know the best work we can do comes from our ability to rest. Right? We, we have this conversation with kids. If, we have, if they have a big game coming up the next day, or they have a test coming up, or they have um, the SATs they're taking, what do we always tell them? Get a good night's rest the night before. Because it will help you the next day. In fact, as I was studying for this week and kind of just going through some different things about rest and, and the science side of, of what rest means, I found a study that was done, I think, in 2017, and they, they looked at this idea or this thing called glymphatic fluid. Okay, I had to write that down because I would never remember it just standing up here. That is what carries waste away from your brain. So the brain works a little bit differently when it clears out the stuff it needs to get rid of. It uses this fluid that just kind of carries it and, and flushes it out of your brain. This happens when we sleep. And so if we don't get enough of this glymphatic flow going on in our brain, it's why the next day we feel 
groggy. We feel like our heads aren't clear. It's because our, our brain didn't get the opportunity to clear out the stuff that needed to go in order for us to reset and be clear for the next day. And so we know this, right? We know that the best way we can do our best is to be rested, is to be prepared, is to be physically ready. And yet we find ourselves kind of on this hamster wheel trying to become and do and fill our schedules. And so what do we do with that? This morning, I want to go to a passage. It's in, it's in Hebrews chapter four. That's where we're going to start. And so we're going to put the words up on the screen for you. Um, you can also go to our website, mygracefamily.church, and go to the follow along tab. Um, that always has all the verses and all the notes you would need from today. You can also ask a question or send us a prayer request. Um, we think that's the best way to follow along. But Hebrews chapter four, we are going to start in verse one. And so Hebrews 4.1 says this, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Now, let me pause here for a second, just kind of give you the background of what the author of Hebrews is talking about. If we were to go back and we were to read chapter three, there would be a conversation happening about the promised land. So the nation of Israel early on in the Old Testament had the opportunity to leave Egypt where they were slaves and they were to head into the promised land. And this is what God offered them as a place of physical rest. It was theirs. No one else was going to take it from them. God had promised that it would be good for them and they would do well in this land. The problem is they get to the border and again, if you grew up in church, you know this, right? They send in 12 spies. How many were bad? 10, right? The, you know, 10 were bad, two were good. The song that we sang as kids, right? So 10 were bad, the bad spies. They come back and they go, no, we can't go in there. We don't trust God. We don't want to enter the promised land. Two of them come back and say, yes, we can. God is with us. We can do it. Well, the problem is the nation of Israel listens to the 10. And so they decide they're not going to go into the promised land. And that's what this is talking about when they did not get to rest. They had to wander in the desert and they didn't, many of the people that were alive at that point did not get to go into that place of physical rest for, it, for the Israelites. And so let's keep going in verse two of Hebrews four. It says, for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. They didn't get to go in because they didn't share that faith that God was going to deliver them. Verse 3, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Verse 4, we know it is ready because of the place in the scripture where it mentions the seventh, on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Verse five, but in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Verse six, so God rest, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Verse seven, so God said another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the, in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear this voice, don't harden your hearts. Verses 8 and 9, then we'll finish through 10 and 11. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day 
of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us to do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fail. So as we read through this chapter, this section of chapter 4 in Hebrews, what we understand is this, that rest is both physical, both a physical and spiritual gift from God. God offered the nation of Israel this physical place of rest, this land where they could be and no one could take it from them. And yet they didn't want to go in and so then they had unrest because of it. The opportunity is for us too to enter this spiritual rest that Jesus has offered us that should then impact our physical rest. Because what we know is that if we have a relationship with Jesus, if we have that rest in him and we understand that he came at Christmas time to die for us so that he could forgive our sins and that when we leave this earth, he's waiting for us to welcome us in. If we know that we are set up for eternity and that's where we're going to end up, then that's going to impact what we see and how we do things physically here on earth. It's going to impact the physical rest that we are able to have. Now, this wouldn't be Christmas Sunday without going to Luke chapter 2 and reading the Christmas story. And so I think there's a very deep understanding of what Jesus is doing here that will help us understand what we're talking about today. In Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verses 1 and 2. Is at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken with Carinus as governor of Syria. Verses two and, or sorry, verses three and four, all returned to their ancestral towns to, to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Galilee. Verse five, he took with him his wife, or took with him Mary, who, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. In verses six and seven, and while they were there, The time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about the story of Ruth. And when Naomi and Ruth come back into Bethlehem, there's this excitement that happens. and, And everyone's excited to see Naomi. And I always think it's interesting looking at those two stories, same Bethlehem, People coming back into Bethlehem that haven't been there in a while. And when Jesus shows up as an unborn infant with his mom and dad, nobody knows it. Maybe somebody else knew, somebody, some family members were around, but nobody is there to celebrate them. And yet he came. And here's what I want us to know. And this is going to sound very, very complicated. Not really. Jesus took naps. Have you ever thought about that? So you can too. Now think about what, just, just. Go with me for a minute, right? Jesus is entering the most important rescue mission that has ever been planned ever on earth, ever. He's coming to offer his life to die for us so that he can rescue us from our own sin and then have an eternal relationship with us. And he starts off as an infant. How many of us, if we were at work and we had the most important project that our company was ever going to do, 
And we were getting to lead this project and go for it. And we stopped and just said to our boss, you know what? I'm ready to go and do that project. Can I just take a year or two off first? It wouldn't happen. I'm not saying Jesus took time off. But what I am saying is he took time to do basically nothing as a human, even though he was doing everything. He took naps. He slept. He was cared for by human teenagers, essentially in order to prepare for what was to come later. And if we fast forward in the Gospels and we look at how Jesus interacted with people, there are numerous times where we can see Jesus saying, I need to go away from people. I need to go sleep. I need to go eat. I need to get away. I need to rest. And so the point is, we need to recognize as we read the Christmas story and as we look at the life of Jesus, we have the opportunity to rest. And in fact, what we know from science, because God created us, is that we need to rest. If we don't, if we decide that we're going to kind of just trudge through, and I'm one of these people that if I just need to get something done, I'm just going to keep going. And it can get dangerous at times. I just keep going and going and going and going. Our bodies will rebel against us and tell us to stop, right? You'll fall asleep doing something or you'll, you'll start to feel sick or you will get sick because you haven't gotten enough sleep or something, right? Our bodies have this way of telling us, you need to slow down. And God tells us the same thing, and Jesus models this for us. And later in the Gospels, I want to go to Matthew uh, chapter 11 and start in verse 28. Jesus says this. He says, it says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary. We think about this topic we I just talked about, right? Weariness. We're weary. We're tired. We're frustrated. He says, if you fall into that category, come to me. Come to me if you are weary. He goes on in verse 28. And carry heavy burdens. You who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You see, this this topic of rest is so very, very important for us to understand. He goes on in verses 29 and 30. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And what we understand, right, is this yoke he's talking about, not eggs, right? It's not an egg yoke. It's, and for us, it's actually helpful where we live, and we understand this. We see farmers out in the field with livestock pulling them. Like that's, that's the idea is that Jesus says, come and be side by side with me. Think about that for a minute. That Jesus says, when you're weary, when you carry a heavy burden, you come to me. I will give you rest. I will be side by side with you and we will move forward. That the God of the universe would come and say, I will walk side by side with you, whatever you go through. That's an incredible idea to understand. And to say that it's not going to be easy. He doesn't say the road ahead is easy, but he says, you walk with me. And I will carry the heaviness of the load for you. I will move forward with you. And Jesus offers this rest, not just, again, it's not just a physical rest. That is true too. But he says, I, you will find rest for your souls. You will find a spiritual rest in him. And sometimes I think what can happen, especially for people that would call ourselves Christians or followers of Jesus, that sometimes we get stuck in the doing of Christianity instead of the being a follower of Jesus. 
We get stuck in the doing. And, and we, maybe you think about as churches, like we contribute to this, right? We already stood up here and we already said to you, first of all, we want you to serve on Christmas Eve if, if you can. And then we said, and we want you to give your money so that we can bless the factory, right? We're giving you things to do. So sometimes when people look at church, it's like, and honest, like, we want you to serve. We want you to be in a group. We, we give you a list of things to do. And so we, at times, contribute to this idea where we would go, we want you to continue to do, that you would do this and do that and all of this stuff. And, and here's what we want you to get. We do believe that doing all of those things are important. We don't ask you to do those for the benefit of us. We believe that we already do those things as, as leadership here at GFC. We've committed to being a part of those things. And we also believe that you being a part of it will contribute to your spiritual health. And so we say, do this. But what we can't do is forget to simply be a follower of Jesus. And sometimes that doesn't look like a to-do list. Sometimes that literally looks like taking a nap, setting a boundary, having a time where we can unravel for a minute and just rest. And so that's part of the reason, like Pastor Andrew said, why, why would we take a Sunday, the Sunday after Christmas, and say, we're not going to have church service? Why would we do that? Well, first of all, we're pouring a lot of time and energy into Christmas Eve. And we're really, really excited about that. But here's the other side of it, is that we want you guys to know, and we want to know as well, that we can take a breath. And we can take a Sunday to celebrate things with our family and take Christmas and take time where we, it's good for us to take a Sabbath Sunday in a year and say, we're just going to let you have a Sunday morning and we'll see you ne the next week. It's good to take a break. It's good to recognize that sometimes we don't want to get stuck in the doing. We want to be continuing to be a follower of Jesus and understand what that truly means. So why do we rest? There, there's reasons that we see in Scripture, multiple reasons why rest. I, I came up with three that I think are very important. The first one is that we would trust God. Now, what does that mean? Well, the idea that we looked at earlier in, in Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews says that God took a day off after creating the world. He didn't need a day off. Like, God doesn't get tired. Jesus got tired as a human, but God the Father does not get tired. Like, he can just go and go and go forever. But he still decided it was good to take a day off. And then that principle falls down into the Ten Commandments, when we see that, and the Sabbath day was supposed to be kept holy. By the way, that was Saturday, not Sunday, like we meet on Sunday. But the idea there was that you take, you work six days a week, and you take that day off. Now, for us, maybe we can automate some things. So if we take a day off, we can schedule emails, we can schedule social posts, we can do things that, like, they're just going to keep going because we have technology in the systems that we can kind of keep the ship moving even if we're not doing anything that day. But here's the thing for this time frame. In an agricultural community, with not having electricity to kind of keep things, you didn't have refrigerators, you didn't have freezers, you, you needed things fresh and to continue to move forward, they didn't have the opportunity so many times to just take a day off. It, it was much more difficult to say, I'm going to literally take a day where I don't get ready to prepare for my family and provide for my family. But what God says is take that day off. Why? So that they would trust him. We could continue to work, and they could continue to work seven days a week if they wanted to. But taking that day off and God telling them to take that day off was, first of all, because they needed it. Second of all, because he wanted them to trust him. And when we do take rest, when we do take time and say, I'm going to create a boundary for myself, and I'm going to make sure that I'm not 
doing too much. We trust that God is going to step in and bless that and honor that. And that's true with our time, our energy, our resources, any of it. When we trust him, we're saying that we believe he's going to show up if we follow what he tells us to do. The second thing would be that we would recognize our humanity. In fact, I would say it this way. When we actually don't rest, we kind of step into the place of God. And we say, I have to continue doing this because I don't trust that God is going to continue doing it. And we think that we can't trust that he's going to show up when we take a step back and listen to what he has to say. But we have to recognize that we are humans. And like I said earlier, when we don't recognize this, our body will keep the score and will let us know when we don't recognize our humanity, we don't slow down and we don't pause. And the third thing is this, that we would reflect on our salvation. I mentioned just a few minutes ago that the Sabbath day for the Israelites was Saturday. So what caused us to switch and worship on Sunday? Jesus rising from the dead on Sunday. It's actually a proof that we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that the early church decided the same thing. You tell someone who's been in a religious group for thousands of years to change anything. That's difficult. But they decided they were going to change because they realized that Jesus rose again on a Sunday. And so what we do is we say, as followers of Jesus, that we hopefully are going to take at least the Sunday morning and reflect on our salvation. It's why we come to church and it's why we worship. Because we want to take a break and say that we are going to remember the salvation that Jesus has offered us. And we can't do that if we just continue to work and chase and do the things that are going to make us weary. And so when we rest, we, we trust God, we recognize that we are human, and we reflect on the salvation that he has offered us. Each week, I've kind of given us a, a definition of what weariness means. And I think one of the things that weariness means is it can mean doing a task you believe will never end. It's why so many of us look forward to Friday. Because we see the week, and we're like Monday rolls around. It's like, oh, man, I got five more days of this, right? Now, this week, you got a shorter week, hopefully. But, or you think, just get to 65, right? Just get there. Uh, maybe I'll be able to retire. Social Security still there. And I'll be able to take time off. And I'll be able to do or, or like, you know, you're counting the years. And you just feel like there's no end. And we get weary because we chase this thing we, we don't know that we're ever going to get. But here's what rest is. Rest is believing the task will be completed even if you relax and recover. When you can truly take time off and you can truly say, I believe that what's going to happen or the task I'm doing or what God has called me to is still going to be fulfilled even if I relax and recover. I can truly rest in that. Maybe you've tried to take time off before and it just didn't work. You, you just kind of stepped out of it for a while and you're like, that just made things worse because now I am more worried about how much time I have to finish. But when we can truly rest and recover or relax and recover and we realize that things are still going to get done that we need to get done, then we can truly have rest. And one of the things I've said to us again over the last few weeks is that Christmas means God making his way to us when we can never make our way to him. And one of the things that I think gets us, and one of the reasons we chase and we make ourselves weary is because we want to find safety and identity. But here's what Jesus says. He says that his rest means that we will have safety and an identity. What does that mean? Sometimes we work and work and work because we want the safety of a bank account. We think if we just have enough stored away, right, it, whatever comes, 
I, if the car breaks down, I can pay for it. If the house starts to leak, I can pay for it. If there's this issue, I can pay for it. Like if I have enough money, I've got that safety. Or I've got the house that's going to mean safety. Or I've got the car that's going to mean safety. Whatever it is, right? Or I've got the promotion that's going to mean safety. We work to establish safety. And then we also work to establish identity. It's the first question you get asked when you meet somebody new, right? You get their name and then you ask, what do you do? What's your work? How do you, how do you make a living? And we, society would tell us that that's how we find safety and identity. But what Jesus says is when you can rest in me, you have that safety. You have that trust. You have that understanding that I'm by your side. I'm yoked with you. We're walking through life together and you have that safety and your identity doesn't have to be defined by what you do, but by the relationship you have with me. When we're not chasing to establish our own safety and identity, it means that we can rest. When we trust Jesus for those things, it means that our souls can take a break for a minute and we can rest in him. So I have three things to end with on how do we rest, like tangible things to walk away with. Like if you're struggling with this, you'd say, I am weary. I'm overworked. My schedule's too full. I've allowed it to get away from me. Guess what? You're coming into a week where maybe hopefully things will take a break for a little bit. And then we're coming into a new year. I don't know if you guys still do new year's resolutions, but at least you, maybe you're thinking ahead and like, okay, I can do some things a little bit differently starting in the calendar year. So here's, here's three things that maybe you can do to help out. First is schedule insanity. Now, here's what I didn't say, schedule insanity, okay? It's different. That's why that one word is in white and one word was in yellow. Schedule insanity. What does that mean? It means you have to actually schedule time to take a break. If you don't, you're not going to. So whether it's, and this is hard, like I get it. We have three young kids. Like when do they stop, right? Like, so it's either after they go to bed or you have to get up earlier in the morning, which I am not good at. But the, you've got to figure it out. If you don't, you're not going to. And then when you get in that cycle, because I've done this, right? This is not a conversation where I'm saying you, you, you. This is all me. This is like just basically you guys having a counseling session as I talk myself through this. Like we, I, I am not good at this stuff. And so if I don't get into this and schedule the time or, or plan to like at this time, I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to stop. I get into a cycle where I'm going to keep going. It's going to frustrate me. I'm going to get weary. I'm not going to be a good dad. I'm not going to be a good husband. It's just a cycle where I'm just going to get into this motion. I have to schedule it and think about when am I going to just pause. I'm still working on that. But we have to plan ahead. And we have to schedule that instead of having schedule insanity. The second thing is this, that we would communicate well. Especially if you're if you're married, like you have to communicate well on what what you need, how things are going, what's going on, and even with family. And this means sometimes creating boundaries and saying I I can't do what you're asking me to do, or I can't be in the place, or I don't have the bandwidth to. And again, difficult for me. I enjoy doing a lot of different things, and, and it's in our society that we would be involved in all the different places and our kids are doing all the different things and we're on the different boards and leagues and PTOs and all that kind of stuff, right? It's like, it's an honor to be asked to do some of these things, but at some point we have to say, I can't do that. And it's okay to communicate that to other people, but we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to communicate what we can and cannot do. And we have to be able to communicate with the people around us, even when it's difficult and say, I'm not just going to continue to pile things on to me that I can't do well or that are going to cause me 
to be in this cycle where I cannot rest. And the third thing is this, that we would simply know our limits and define them. Figure it out. Jesus had limits as a human where he needed to rest if he was going to be effective. He knew where that line was. Now, I'm not saying he was limited in what he could do, but he knew as a physical being, he had to take a break, get away, go rest, and he did it. And that gives us permission to do the same thing. I don't know where you're at, right, coming into this Christmas season and and processing all this and this idea of weariness and what we do with that. But I'm telling you that that exhaustion is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something God wants for us. And in fact, what he wants is for us to rest in him and for that to indicate and, and impact how we rest physically. And when we overwork and overwhelm ourselves without recognizing our limits, we're not being obedient to what God calls us to. It's just a reality. And so I would challenge us to evaluate this. Figure it out. Spend some time. Look at your schedule. Talk to your spouse or to your family members, whatever you have to do to kind of get this in motion and say, first of all, I'm going to spend the time resting in God that I need to, whether that means your own personal time or whether it means being at Sunday mornings or whatever that means. And I also need to spend time resting myself because when we don't rest ourselves, our spiritual rest is impacted by that because we don't make time for the things that are important. Jesus rested. Jesus took naps. So you can too. Let's uh, pray this morning and before the worship team comes back up. God, we are grateful for the understanding that you don't expect us to just exhaust ourselves. In fact, that you spend time saying that we are required and that we should rest. You built us to rest and you understand that and you came as a human and you modeled that for us. And I ask that as we live in a society that tells us to not rest or to keep going or to just trudge through or do all the things, that we would do our best to find our limits, know the limits, communicate well, and to rest. And I I pray for anybody that's here that's just thinking, "I, I have overdone what I can do, that you would guide them and help them to, first of all, find their rest in you, and second of all, that they would find their physical rest as a human. We thank you again for the gift of your son and that you showed up to give us safety and security and offer a relationship with us that we don't have to grow weary chasing with our works. Thank you for the equaling of the yoking that you offer to us to walk through life with us and to carry our heavy burdens. And I just ask that you would remind us of that this Christmas season and we would depend on you to carry those burdens for us. In Jesus' name, amen.